0: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast.
1: My name is Benjamin Shapiro, and I'm the executive producer of the MarTech Podcast. And today we've got a special go-to-market episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Jordan Crawford, who is the co-founder of Blueprint. Jordan is an expert in all things go-to-market, and I'm thrilled to invite him and his friends to take the mic and share their knowledge with you, our loyal MarTech Podcast listeners. Okay, here's a go-to-market episode of the MarTech Podcast with guest host Jordan Crawford from Blueprint.
2: My name is Jordan Crawford from Blueprint, and today we're talking all about go-to-market. And this week, we're going to discuss context on mental models. What the hell is a mental model? Joining me is Kyle Williams, who's the founder of Brickstack, and Brickstack helps B2B companies map their insights to the market. So good to be chatting with you today, Kyle, about mental models. I'm so glad to be back. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan what the hell is a mental model, Kyle? I've heard it maybe mentioned a couple of times, but describe what a mental model is. Yeah, I
3: think maybe to springboard on our conversation from yesterday is we talked a lot about some of the challenge in the market is there's all kinds of great tools for, raw based data and who's a B2B versus SaaS company and, and who has six employees versus 600 employees. And then there's a lot of tools that will let you send messaging at scale. And this has sort of been democratized to a lot of teams to some great detriment to your reply rates. We've been watching those over the years and some of the challenge of that. And part of the reason it hasn't really improved is because what happens in between going and gathering all this data and sending out your messaging at scale is your own company's unique insights and experiences. So those are the things that you've learned from your customers, maybe your founder's background, where they maybe worked in an industry for a decade, found a unique insight and started to build a product around it. Or you've been in business for 10 years and you've been solving a specific subset of customer problems. You have expertise. And that's usually what's missing in the middle is your own
2: mental models and how you're able to translate those in how you find and communicate with new customers. Okay. That makes sense. But talk to me about what that translation looks like. So if I'm understanding what you're talking about, it's that instead of just saying, you've raised money, I like money, can I have your money? Uh, Or instead of saying, I see that you're in SaaS and we sell to SaaS. This is more about understanding if your sales rep had unlimited amounts of time and they were able to perfectly identify account, what would they do? There are things that exist in their head that you're calling mental models, right? So tell me a little bit about the process for how do I extract that out of their head? And, and what does that even look like? Can I do that at scale? Actually, I'm going to re-answer the first question. There's a better tea up based on what you said. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be a host tomorrow. I'll be the guest. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So when we talk about mental models, often we're talking about the information that's locked in your team's head, right? If you had unlimited time for your best sales rep, your best SDR, your best researcher, what would they do? And if you were to do that, you know, when I sit down and talk to teams, what I tend to find is, is they have certain patterns. And those patterns are when these things are true, I expect the conversation's gonna go like X. Or when these things are true, I know they're probably dealing with Y, right? They're they're starting to predict the future and what they might say and what might happen next. The challenge is often those mental models, those sort of predictions they might make on how to approach or change the conversation are stacked on a series of things that may or may not be true. And there's usually something like 30 or 50 of those. And those would be some things that you'd expect, you know, how many employees do they have? How long has it been since they last had funding? But then it'll be other more nuanced details, right? So on their careers page, do they talk about work from home, right? Which tells me that they have and openness to a distributed culture, which tells me something about the types of internal challenges they might be facing with making that transition. They might look at the pricing page, if it's say a B2B company, and if they see a try get started now versus contact and talk to our enterprise team, will they know then that they have an enterprise motion and a, to use a current buzzword, product led growth motion, which tells you a lot about how they might run things. So if you, you know, work in compensation management to marketing automation tools, you're going
2: to have a different approach based on those details. So how do we find out what's in their heads? So you and I have done this a bunch, and I think that what you're trying to talk about here is really that there seems to be a triangle of importance here, where on the one hand, you need to know why your customers bought. You also need to know how your sales reps recognize this in the market, and then you also need to be able to get feedback from customers to test this to see if you got it right. So it's about conquering that triangle seems to be, the in the way that you're talking about this, that all three things need to be true for this thing to really sing. That's right. If you don't know why your customers
3: bought, then you're not basing this in reality. You're just asking for opinions from the team. And they may or may not be true. So it's
2: really important to balance those things. Do I have to have thousands of customers to make this work, Kyle? Can I do this with one? How do I go from this world of sort of I'm early on to I'm scaling my business? And when is this right to go do this exercise? There's definitely some nuance here, and it's important
3: to be honest about how refined some of these mental models are, because not all of them will be, and that's okay, right? There will be some things that we are saying are a hypothesis, right? We're guessing that this may or may not be true. You can use this type of approach to validate hypotheses. But it's important to be very honest with ourselves up front that that's what we're doing, right? I wouldn't expect massive leads through the door right out of the way when we're testing something versus taking something that's been refined from, you know, say hundreds of customer conversations and mapping it to the market. So generally, the best place to mine some of these is once you're at you know, something like 100 customers, you've got a good base of understanding, plus or minus, somewhere in that range.
2: Yeah, this makes a ton of sense. And this is for sure what we've seen in a variety of our customers is that there is a contact your dog's mother's brother's best friend and see if you can sell them something. And every founder starts that way. And at least in the way that you're talking about it, it sounds like the problem here is that the founder will go sell something. The sales reps are basically say, do exactly what I did, but do it full time. And there isn't a moment of pause where the strategy should change before saying, will you buy my thing? Will you buy my thing? Will you buy my thing To How do I figure out all those types of people that are really right and in the pain that I have noticed? That's one of the key moments for sure is that moment when
3: you're trying to go from founder-led to adding sales. So that context transfer from founders to the sales team There's another transition that happens when your sales team has expertise and now that team is growing and you're starting to, you've either just hired your SDR team and it's taking a long time to ramp them. Maybe you've had one for a while. Another common one is for companies that they're founded, they've gotten out the gates great with inbound and now they need to transition to outbound. That's usually another great point is to look at this type of methodology because your inbound process probably has given you a lot of expertise internally, but you need to switch the context to make it work for outbound.
2: we've talked about this so much is that the thing about inbound, which you have talked about before, is that it's kind of a black box. You don't really know the targeting. You don't know how Facebook or LinkedIn are finding customers. They may not be the right customers. And they know that you don't know this. (laughs) So they said, just give us money and we'll figure it out. So again, I want to get back to the notion of quantifying this for me. Can you talk about existing examples of this so people can really understand what the hell is a mental model and Really, what does in practice insight versus observation mean? I would say typically what you want to do
3: is the first test you're looking for is you want to find the folks in your in your organization who really know how to present your company to the market. So it could be sales reps, SDRs, product leaders, founders, whoever that is. So the first thing you want to do, the first test is, do they have a strong mental model? And the best way to know that is, are these things predictive, right? Can your best rep do a bit of research and predict how a call will go? Can I pull a founder into, and this is a common one that happens is sort of as you're making the transition is the sales rep pulls the founder into a customer call that they have five minutes to prep. Can the founder do a little bit of research and pretty much guess and segment in their mind how this conversation is about to go? The more predictive that that person is, you know the stronger the mental models are before you've even figured out what they are, just can they predict what's going to happen? So that's one of the first things. The other test to apply is, is this an observation? or an insight. It's a common trap that happens a lot of times and you'll see it in your inbox is you get a lot of observations. I saw you just installed this tech. I saw you just got funding. I saw you just hired 20 people and therefore you probably have a problem and you should probably buy my product, right? There's no insight. The insight is where often we're taking multiple observations and combining them in a unique way and then being able to communicate to that customer. So maybe we could combine the, you just got funding and your sales team has grown by X percent, which compared to similar companies who just got funding is higher or lower, which tells me you might be similar to this company who had the same experience. And therefore you might be interested in having a conversation about how you can solve some of those challenges, right? That's a very different flavor in instead of just dropping in like Mad Libs or just here's three different disconnected pieces of personalization where I could prove that some research was done is if those points of personalization are also connected to each other and producing specifically what you say, you know, you're onto an insight.
2: This is such a great point. And you and I, we should just podcast all the time, I think, because we talk about this probably daily. I want you to go a little bit deeper here. So I know that sales teams, right? We saw this earlier on where sales teams realized, oh, when people raise money, they generally have a a variety of problems and I should message them. And that's a tactic. And that's a tactic that worked. So tell me why this isn't just the evolution of that, that I can take three or four different tactics, combine them together and get the same reply rates that I did in the 2000s when I could just send an email to everyone in the market. Yeah, I'd say the big
3: test is that can this be uniquely applied to an organization or a person with the expertise that just your company has? And if it can't, then it's probably a tactic. And if it can, then it's probably more strategic, right? So if it's infused with the understanding that your team has or that your specific product is built around Then you're more likely being strategic. And the more that it's built on an empathy for your downstream customer and the experience they're having, right? Where those two come together, the experience your customer is having with your unique insight, is where we're being strategic and not just trying to get someone's attention so that we hope they'll reply. Yeah. So
2: what you're saying is basically the best way to do this is to take the existing pains that you solved for your customers, figure out what is their life like now that they've used your product and then find customers that are in the exact same situation as them. Is that right? That's right. So commonly the way that I would do
3: this is first, you know, to your point, there's sort of three main steps that you're going to take. One, get your current customers. And then two is start to extract understandings and mental models that you have internally. So the way that you do that is you want to first look for, do they actually have expertise? We talked about that step. Is it predictive? Then you want to look at how do I pull the pattern out? Now, this is tricky. This is actually one of the trickier parts is because you're trying to pull something that is experts and expertise might call this tacit knowledge, right? It's like, how do you ride a bike versus what's two plus two? Riding a bike is hard to explain. It's also hard for that expert to explain. Sometimes they just say, I don't know. I just know that they're not going to buy. I just had a feeling. And so what you don't want to do is, as you described, is show up to that person and say, what's the best campaign we could run for you? Because what you've done is you flipped them out of their context. Their context is not creating campaigns every day. It's having direct conversations with customers. So what I like to do is say, imagine you're about to get on the phone with your top prospect or here's a recent company. Imagine they just came inbound and you got to jump on the phone in a minute. How do you predict how the call will go and then watch what they do? And so you're keeping them in their own context, which means you're more likely to get those direct mental models. And then you can start to look at how can I find those patterns within my customers and then the market? And the reason you do that with your customers is you want to make sure you're looking at patterns that are both high value and high frequency. If they say, oh, this person, they wrote about our product last week. Well, that's great, but they're the only person who did that in the last year. So we want to look for patterns that also show up in your customer base so that we're back testing and confirming that these do show up organically in the market.
2: Kyle, this has been so enlightening to understand how you think about mental models, how our listeners can use that information in their own business. And this leads perfectly into tomorrow's episode where we're going to talk about pain scoring case studies. So we're going to take these mental models and the market pain scoring that we've talked about in the last two episodes, and we're going to show you live, real examples of how you might take these mental models with no context on the companies that we're going to be talking about to score their market. Now, we've got no insider baseball, but we're really looking forward to bringing this to you. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Join me tomorrow, where we'll be finishing our conversation with Kyle Williams and talking about pain scoring case studies. Okay, that wraps up this
1: go-to-market episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Jordan Crawford, founder of Blueprint, and Kyle Williams, founder of Brickstack, for joining us. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Kyle, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is Kyle Will, that's K-Y-L-E-W-I-L-L, or you can visit his company's website, which is brickstack.com. If you'd like to learn more about our guest host, Jordan Crawford, the co-founder of Blueprint, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can visit his company's website, which is blueprintdata.io.